You are now listening to the Think 180 podcast from Inc. 180 Ministries in Chicago, Illinois. Hello and welcome. Please stand by. What's up, everybody? This is Chris from Inc. 180 Ministry in Oswego, Illinois. Joined, as always, by my friend Kyle Craning. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 20 of the Think 180 podcast. Um, can't believe we're already up to 20. Man. Getting there. Getting there. Building it up. Coming along. Thanks for coming along with us. Thanks for sharing the podcast and, and telling your friends about it, and thanks for the feedback. We appreciate it. Got a lot to talk about this morning. Of course, that, that was uh, Matthew West. Shout out to Matty West. He's on tour right now. Do something. I love that song. And uh, we made we made a video for that with him a few years ago. It was pretty fun. He's a good dude. Uh, met him a few times, and he's uh he's out there doing work. So good morning. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about today on on episode twenty. We're gonna just get right into it. Um, I had uh, I'd been wanting to get to Minneapolis for the Super Bowl. Apparently, the Vikings didn't want to get to it that bad because they looked horrible. As a Bears fan, that didn't break my heart. Not at all. Sorry, Minnesota friends. But uh, no, it's, you know, there's a lot going on. We'll kind of get into it here. You're going to see a lot of stuff in the media. Uh, You're going to see stuff on my Facebook page and, and, you know, Twitter feeds and Instagram feeds about sex trafficking in the Super Bowl. And. People commonly refer to the Super Bowl as the single biggest day of sex trafficking in the United States. All right, let me, let me give you my opinion on that. I don't think it's the single biggest day. It's the single biggest um, possibly uh, event in one town, in one city. Okay, um, Pimps and traffickers are, are very known for bringing in their victims that they're victimizing to sell them for sex at and around the Super Bowl. And a lot of people have asked me that. They're like, Chris, why is that? Why, why the Super Bowl? And if you think about it, you know, who can afford to go to the Super Bowl? It's, it's not me and you. It's rich executives taking their top 25 clients out mm-hmm. for a weekend, uh, you know, long weekend of, you know, expensive steaks and cigars and strip <laughs> clubs and, and God knows what else to, you know, get them, keep them happy as business partners. I, and, you know, I, I've never understood that, but okay. Um, but it's true. Uh, I, I saw something online the other day. Somebody had two Super Bowl tickets for sale for $10,000. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, it's insane. But um, so sex trafficking, 
there's a lot going on. Yes, pimps and traffickers do descend on Minneapolis. They already have started. Uh, we already have ministry partners in place that are, are doing work there. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit in a minute about what I'll be doing when I go up there. But um, there's a lot of law enforcement up there. A lot of our, our friends that we work with have already made the trek out to Minneapolis to, to shut this stuff down. There's ministry after ministry up there. Um, doing outreach to massage parlors and strip clubs and back page ads and just on the streets to educate people. Um, there's a, an amazing conference that kicks off on Thursday called the Justice Awakening Conference. Um, and, and two of our friends are going to be speaking there, Annie Lobert from Hookers for Jesus, out in, based out in Vegas. It's an aftercare facility for sex trafficking survivors. And Annie Lobert herself is a survivor and just an amazing speaker. And uh, our friend Kirsty Borer, who lives in Minneapolis, who is a survivor, uh, was involved in the commercial sex industry for quite a while and is out of that and speaks about it, just wrote an awesome book. And um, they're going to be, both be speaking there, so I'll, I'll get up there. Uh, I'm leaving early, early, early Saturday morning. Uh, <laughs> Six-hour drive up to Minneapolis, and then uh, I'm going to get there and get to work. Uh, there's an, an organization called Skyway Railroad, who a friend of mine works with, Katrin, she works with them, and uh, she just moved out to Tennessee from Chicago not too long ago, so we're going we're gonna to team up, and one of the things that they're doing is they're going to be sitting there and calling Backpage.com ads and offering assistance um, to those who are being trafficked. They're going to be doing outreach to the clubs, strip clubs, massage parlors, stuff like that. Um, and deploying people, we're deploying people in the hotels to educate folks and hand out information on how to spot signs of human trafficking. That's one of the big things I'll be doing in, in addition to making phone calls to Backpage.com ads um, to see what we can make happen. They did this uh, a couple of years ago in San Francisco. I don't know. She was with uh, the Dream Center when she did it last time, but um, they did crazy good work out in San Francisco a couple of years ago. Um, Houston last year so it's just it's cool to see what other people are doing um, and to be able to partner because as soon as I posted on Facebook that I was going to Minneapolis I got hit up by a bunch of friends that are going to be out there from different organizations so we're going to be doing a bunch of different stuff uh, and one thing I, I probably shouldn't talk much about but <clears throat> some law enforcement friends are going to be out there doing sting operations and I might get to witness some of that um, certainly out of harm's way I know my mom's listening, <laughs> but we'll be surrounded by a lot of good law enforcement friends, but, uh, there's just so much going on up there. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be crazy. It's, I, first of all, I can't believe they're having it in Minnesota. Why would you have an event in February in Minneapolis? It's going to be a little chilly, a little chilly. Good thing. It's a nice new stadium. Yeah. Well, I won't be anywhere near inside that stadium, but, uh, <laughs> that's all right. It's, uh, it's going to be a good good weekend of work and looking forward to it and just being a part of that. And I wanted to be in Houston last year, but I had some, you know, unforeseen circumstances did not allow that to happen. So I'll be there this year uh, doing it. And for the first of many, I'm sure. But, um, you know, a lot of people have sent me messages and, you know, if people want to help support that trip and that work, we're still trying to raise a little bit of money to make that happen. You, know, you can always donate at Inc180.com. There's a donation link about halfway down our homepage there. But uh, yeah, we're we're excited. But the the shifts go from like 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. So we'll be, we'll be working all night, um, going out, and 
out into these massage parlors. I won't be going into any of the, the strip clubs just because I don't do that, but they will have teams of uh, women doing that. And we're, we're excited to, to see what God does with this. It's going to be a, a, a pretty powerful weekend. So I'm excited about it. The other big thing, probably the biggest thing that went down this week was the whole Larry Nasser thing. And mm-hmm. I don't think we've talked about this at all yet. Have we? Nope. I've kind of been waiting for, at all. for the hammer to fall on this clown, but, uh, Larry Nasser, the disgraced doctor of uh, Michigan State Athletics and the USA Gymnastics and God knows who else, but this guy had reports on him of sexual abuse against children for 20 years. And when this came out, I have a friend. Um, she's in, uh, involved with sex trafficking ministry. And I, I can't say her name because she's in the middle of, or she's getting ready to release some information on this stuff. So I want to keep her safe. But um, she she had um, her dad was a, a coach in a very prominent college basketball uh, university organization, whatever. And she would tell me all the time, she's like, something's gonna blow up in college athletics mm-hmm. with sexual abuse, trafficking, rape stuff like this, Title IX violations. And I didn't know anything about Title IX, and she really educated me about it. And this whole thing, it looks like is, like, it's the um, Harvey Weinstein of college athletics. It's going to blow up because I'm I'm already hearing grumblings of other ones. I mean, we've heard stories before, of course, the Penn State situation (laughs) with Sandusky. Um, Such a good guy. Yeah, yeah. Not. Yeah, really. Um, the, uh, Art Briles down in Baylor, a Christian university, and basically kept him safe and away from scrutiny for years, and that blew up. But we're, uh, we're gonna see a lot of these other colleges come forward now and say, me too. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, we're gonna see that. And I think, um, in the last year we've seen that culture of rising up and not taking it anymore. Right. Really come to the forefront. And I, yep. I, I, we've talked about that and that's a great thing that um, those who have been victimized feel empowered to be able to come forward. Like 150 former gymnasts and athletes that this disgraced doctor treated, in air quotes, treated, right, abused, assaulted, um, coming forward and telling their stories. <sighs> And man, I, I sat there like a lot of people and I watched the, the video feed of that mm-hmm. and I would watch it for about 20 minutes. I have to shut it off and walk away and then come back to it. Um, because I mean, certainly I'm no stranger to hearing horrific cases of abuse, um, you know, in our day to day work with survivors of trafficking, domestic violence and stuff like that. But these stories just were God awful to the point where this, this, I don't even know what to call him, but this doctor <laughs> told the judge, I, I just, I can't hear any more of this. Can we please stop this? And she looked at him like, tough. Uh, right. Yeah. You, you made this bed. You're going to lie in it and mm-hmm. you're going to roll around in it for a while. And uh, I thought he had a lot of nerve to ask that, <laughs> ask right. for any, any conditions. Or, oh. But, um, so I, I was sitting there watching it and watching the sentencing hearing when she, uh, the last of the survivors had, had made their statements. And I, I really applaud the judge for 
um, allowing them to do that and allowing the, all that basically she said, however long this takes, however much time we need for them to all be able to speak, whoever wants to, mm-hmm. we're going to do that. Right. And she wasn't trying to rush it. When she finally came down and said, I've, I've made my decision. And I'm sitting there listening to it. And we all knew. I mean, this guy was going to get slammed. He already got 60 years for child porn. Right. Right. So this was all just a topper that was going to seal him for life. I mean, I think the 60 years will do it anyway. But it's just, mm-hmm. I think she was making a very strong stance and saying, hey, this is not going to happen in my court or under my watch. When she looked at him and said, I've signed your, I've just signed your death warrant. I was like, Oh man, <laughs> that's like, that's a powerful statement. Right. And, uh, I sat there and I was like, I've heard, I've been in a lot of courtrooms, like for friends and stuff over the years. And I, I've heard some judges say some pretty gangster stuff. That was probably the most gangster thing I've ever seen a judge say. And man, she meant it when she said it. <laughs> and she, you know, she said, you know, another thing that she said as a Christian, I was happy to see it. She said, you know, we serve a gracious God and I, I do hope that he has mercy on you, mm-hmm. but I've just signed your death warrant. All right. You know, and that was amazing. I didn't even, I didn't see the live video feed. I oh. just saw the quote come up on, um, at work on the, on the TV. It's always usually on a news channel. Yeah. And it was like a breaking news and it was just a quote. And I was like, dang. Well, I was sitting here, I was doing a gang tattoo removal for a guy and uh-huh. we were, we were having a great conversation. We were watching, we were actually talking about this thing. Uh-huh. And the judge breaks out the, I've just signed your death warrant. And we both stopped. The tattoo machine went silent for a few minutes. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. She's like, she hit him with everything. And I was like, good for her, man. And, you know, yeah. he needs to hear that. Somebody has the nerve and the audacity to do what he did over 20 years and mm-hmm. then say, oh, I don't want to hear anymore because this is very hard for me to listen to. Right. Tough. Um. But now, you know, so fine. He gets sensed. He's never getting out. He's never going to see the light of day. That's great. Mm-hmm. That's what we wanted. Um, I don't think any people would dispute that except him, maybe. Um, but now we're seeing other dominoes start to fall, like the uh, the president of Michigan State stepped down like the next day. Um, a, a number of their trustees have resigned. They're, I mean, these people are dropping like flies left and right. Mm-hmm. Uh, ESPN just did a really good story on the situation this morning where they interviewed a former rape crisis counselor at Michigan State who quit because of the number of um, allegations of sexual assault against Michigan State athletes that basically they said, the athletic department said, no, we're going to handle this in-house. And they were talking about that and they asked about one particular case um, Tom Izzo, the basketball coach, had um, someone who was accused of rape, and he made him made the player call his mom and tell her what he did. That was the punishment. Like you got to be kidding me. Mm-hmm. And then there was an assistant coach that was um, under. Uh, he was on trial for rape. He was a former player. He was you know when he was an assistant coach, he was on trial for rape. Ended up doing a plea deal. For and got nothing, no time, no nothing, and was still allowed to coach in the final four, you know. And then he went on to the NBA to the Clippers. Uh, and I saw this morning that the Clippers have placed him on leave pending an investigation. (laughs) Like, nobody wants any part of these folks that were 
you know, complicit to this kind of activity. Right. And it's, I mean, it, it stretches far from this whole Nasser thing. He was just kind of the, the tipping point, you mm-hmm. know. But um, we're going to see more. Um, the athletic uh, director from Michigan State just resigned. So that was another big one. Right. Um, USA Gymnastics, they're in for a full-on investigation, man. They are going to crawl up them with a, a toothbrush <laughs> and figure out what happened and why this wasn't taken care of. Right. The U.S. Olympic Committee is in for it, too. But here's my question. Okay, so my, my sister-in-law, Stephanie, Lisa's little sister, um, she ha- she's been involved in gymnastics her whole life. She was mm-hmm. an elite-level athlete. Um, she was a, on the gymnastics team at Cal State Fullerton. She's a gymnastics coach now at a very high-level gym, uh, Wildfire, out in Southern California. And we've talked about this, right? We've talked as this has been going on. Mm-hmm. And... <clears throat> My question is, why isn't anybody interviewing Bella Caroli right now Right. and his wife? Because a lot of this abuse took place at their training ranch down in Texas. <laughs> Where are they at? Right. Nobody's heard from them. Nobody's asked them to issue a statement, nothing like that. Uh, this is going to go on. This isn't the last we're going to hear about this story now that he's gone to prison. Right. You know, the, the subway guy, Jared, when that happened, he went to prison. We never heard about him again. Nope. You know, this is, man, it's like the first domino to fall and there's going to be a lot of big dominoes falling, I think. And it needs to, because, you know, it's horrible to say it, but why are we surprised by this kind of stuff? Um, Doctors and athletes, people of privileged status, people that are protected by organizations I mean, I see stories all the time of doctors being accused of sexual misconduct, mm-hmm. you know, sexual assault. Let's well, call it what it is. It's completely shocking when you, especially when it's an individual in a position where you put your life and their, your care in their hands like a doctor and you expect them. I mean, the only intention is to take care of you and what's best for you. And then when they, yeah. it, it's still shocking to see that because it's unbelievable. It's, I don't know what it, it's like a violation of anyone's standard moral code or ethics. And it's just like, Oh my God, like, I can't believe this. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's probably cause we want to look for the, first of all, we want to look for the best in everybody, but especially right. somebody who's dedicated their lives to helping people like a doctor. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, I guess that is, that is right. That is why it shocks us a little mm-hmm. bit more, but it's and the athletics though. I mean, they're, they're yeah. leaders. You, I mean, and you look up to them as a coach for the sport you're playing. Outside of that, though, I mean, it's still a little shocking just because, you know, you would think they would have gone through, I don't know, I would say rigorous interviews and stuff like that and background checks, but obviously if it hasn't been found out yet, these type of things aren't going to come up. Right. But, I mean, holy cow, like someone like this guy, Larry, like 20 years, you can't tell me he didn't have one ounce of creep factor ever. Like, I mean, look at him. Right. You you know? (laughs) I'm like, the minute they, this story came out, I'm like, oh yeah, that dude did it. Right. (laughs) I mean, that's horrible to say we're not supposed to judge a book by, by its cover, but I was like, there's something going on. Now college athletics, you know, I'm not surprised they get, you know, in the past have gotten a a pass whenever Mm -hmm. something has come up or they're protected, you know? Yeah. Um, that, that brings to mind, you know, the whole, uh, Dennis Hastert stuff from, you know, was it two years ago? Yep. Uh, when it first broke and you know if that if that would have come out now would he have been handled differently yeah i think so i think so because it's 
it's now this stuff has the the spotlight and it's like it's under heavy heavy scrutiny isn't that sad though that it has to have a spotlight on yeah. it to get the true why didn't it have a spotlight all the time right rape's not a horrible thing already like right it, it was a it was as horrible 30 years ago as it is today it's not worse now why so, why never why were we so afraid to talk about it and cause it's and not a hot crime i guess i don't right? know man i mean dude i won't even watch a movie if some if a woman is abused or hurt or anything like that or a kid i can't it's watch those watch, movies right i can't do it um so why why did culture make it okay and you know we've we've talked before about this whole rape culture thing and pimp culture and all that. It's hmm. a whole different thing, different conversation. But it's a it's it's a huge part of this. Um, on the athletic thing, two things I wanted to talk about was why are we putting so much trust in a coach? Mm-hmm. Like I know um, Mackenzie, my oldest daughter, she played travel softball, and she had great coaches. There were no issues with any of her coaches. They're great people, um, and I know that because we were right there. We were right there all the time. Mm-hmm. Stephanie, um, my sister-in-law, I mean, she's been a part of my life since she was like eight years old. She was tiny, right? And she was a gymnast. And we would all go to all her meets and all that stuff. Even in college, we were always there. And um, talking to her about this whole situation, they at Cal State Fullerton, they had um, steps in place to avoid this kind of stuff. Like, in this Nasser case, they even said, why wasn't there a nurse present? Right. And there, there should have been. Yep. Right? And there wasn't because he, he made sure it, what, that they weren't there. <laughs> right. Right? Um, but in Stephanie's case, she, they had um, steps in place to ensure the safety of their athletes. Why don't all colleges have to have that? Why doesn't Title IX require that? Why, mm-hmm. you know, why doesn't human decency require that? Like, right. Why would you put a young girl in a room with a, a doctor and no nurse or no other female present to allow that kind of thing to happen. Right. Uh, and I, some people are probably listening going, well, wait a minute. Some of the parents were in the room when Nasser did what he did. And I'm like, yeah, but you're right. But he did. Uh, he, I guess he like uh, basically blocked between him and, so it was the patient that he was supposedly treating mm-hmm. himself and then the parent behind him. So they couldn't even see what he was doing. Yeah. So there's, there, and there's a whole bunch of stuff in that, but um, man, we need to do a better job of protecting young men and women. No I mean, kidding. you know, it's not, not just the girls. I'm sure stuff like this has happened to, to boys too. And, but why are we putting so much trust in people that we don't even know? Right. You know, I mean, I get it. You know, the, like in this, the case of these gymnasts, right? For for the longest time, the Carolis were like the gold standard of training for gymnasts. Mm-hmm. And if you, man, if you got to that level and you got an invite to that camp, I remember Stephanie hoping and praying for an invite to go to that. Right. And thank God she never did. Um, but why are we like, oh yeah, I'll send my kid to Texas for two weeks of training and just send them back to me when you're done. Like, you gotta be kidding me. Right. Um, and I, and I don't want to, I'm certainly not putting any of this on the parents, but I'm just, it's just a question that kind of came up in my mind. Like, right. wow. Like, man, if, if I don't know exactly where my kids are, it freaks me out. A little right. Bit. It's something that parents are going to have to really start thinking about more seriously now as time, as we move forward. And I think they will. Yeah. Unfortunately, again, as is the norm, it takes some, you know, tragic thing to happen before 
you know, changes are implemented. Yeah. Another thing is, you know, we're in a, we're living in a time right now and we have been for a long time and we have this culture with athletes and elite athletes that we look up to them. And for some reason they've gotten special privileges, um, where they'll commit a crime like this, the, you know, football players, basketball players, whatever swimmers in Stanford accused of rape Mm -hmm. and they're getting either no conviction or a slap on the wrist. Right. And then crying that they want a retrial because they don't want that to be on their record for the rest <laughs> of their lives. Well, you shouldn't have raped that girl at right. the party, dude. It's not like it was an accident. Right. You know? I mean, give me a break. Um, that culture has to stop. And that's one of the things my friend uh, is talking about in her reporting. Uh, and, and when that comes out, she will be on the podcast. We've already talked about that. Um, to get into it mm-hmm. further and deeper because... We are now that this has happened at Michigan State, we're going to hear more and more stories. And I've talked about before a, a whole other but related issue where, um, in recruiting of athletes, colleges are doing some super shady stuff like, yeah, come out for the weekend and you can live in the dorms with some of our athletes. And there's you know different events and we'll take you to. And they bring, they bring in prostitutes for these kids and strippers and alcohol and whatever it's right. it's insane and that's how they're luring these kids oh and you know money <laughs> um, let's not forget that but um there's all kinds of stuff so you're taking a kid that already thinks oh man i'm like i'm being recruited by michigan state let's just say mm-hmm. and they they're flying me in for a visit this weekend we're gonna go to the football game on saturday against michigan and then there's a party that night and i'm staying with the athletes in their dorms and blah blah, blah. They already think they're the man, and then they get shown that they're the man by the athletic director or the athletic department with all these extra, quote, benefits um, that are illegal and, and mm-hmm. should definitely not be taking place. Right. It's, it's crazy. So they're furthering that, that um, culture of you can get away with whatever you want. You're an athlete at Michigan State or whatever university. Right. Yeah. Um, but man, it's it just it's been a sickening week to sit and listen to that and to watch it. And I've had discussions with my son Tyler about it, and you know, just further discussions. We have a a very deep, ongoing conversation about relationships and abuse and what you know what's not ever okay. And um, we, we you know we've talked about that I think at length on here. But you know, we need to have those conversations. We need to as disgusting and dirty as this situation at Michigan state is and this Larry Nassar situation, we need to have these conversations with our kids because they, their generation is a very entitled generation and they think that they deserve things. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of these kids don't know if it's right or wrong, but they're entitled to it. Yep. It drives me absolutely insane. But, uh, all right. I'm going to exhale. <laughs> I'm gonna exhale on that now, but uh, it was uh, it was a tough one for sure. But please go have those conversations with your kids. And um, uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about too, real quick, just a, a point to kind of close that out. People ask, um, and I've asked too, why aren't these reported? If these are um, allegations against an athlete at a college, why do they not get reported? And what I was told by my friend who's writing this report is that under Title IX, if a university has um, 
uh, a certain number of rape allegations reported, they lose scholarships and they lose federal funding. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, now it all makes sense. Now it's all, it, it's all about money. Yep. <laughs> it's all about money. They could care less about the victim or the problem or the culture. It's the money. Yeah. And it's, that's a big part, big part of the problem. I think when you look at, you know, beyond college, when you look at the NFL, for example, you know, it's to say the domestic yeah. abuse, and I'm using air quotes here, policy. Right. Um, I mean, what a, what a joke it's that weak. was. And it, the, yeah. po- this policy was only enacted because of, I mean, the outcry of, you know, the PR hellfire that came down on the NFL. You mean when Ray, Ray, Ray Rice dragged his wife out of the yeah, apartment by her hair like a caveman? Out of her, yeah. yeah. And uh, only got suspended for a couple of games. Yeah. But the NFL policy for that is first-time offenders, six games. Yeah. And then second-time lifetime ban. But it's not a pure lifetime ban. Right. Because there might be other mitigating factors, yeah. you know, where it could be, it's okay, and, it, and maybe it was wasn't as bad as it it, it came, they claim to be or whatever it may be whatever it's up to it's at, up to discretion and that's just sad it should just be boom you're gone yeah it's not a pete rose right lifetime ban you want to like you want to make a statement and you want to make a change in society especially amongst nfl players you know not all but a lot of whom yeah are extremely entitled yeah and think they can do and get away with whatever they want because oh, yeah. they're protected as a high paid athlete in the NFL, arguably the most profitable sport in the earth. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. it's huge, right? So yeah. make us make a real statement and say, adios. Yeah. Gone forever. Yeah. Well, I totally agree with that. Here's another, here's another bit of good news for you as far as football is related. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw this, but Vince McMahon is relaunching the <laughs> XFL. <laughs> I did see that. Yeah. That'll make things all better. And he yeah. wants to bring back old school football, but make it safe and family oriented. Yeah. Well, then it's not old school football. No. Vince. sorry, no. buddy. He's stick what a clown. Stick to wrestling. It would have been fine if he would have given it to like a group of you know executives to run. Yeah. Right. Yep. And let them run it. You just like the over the guy on top, right? No, he has to. Dude, like what? It's gonna be just like it was before. Yeah, no. With concussions. With concussions. No no protocol and no, no repercussions for off the field stuff. It's gonna be crazy. But one thing, um, I do want to mention. Like we, we have a good friend, Garrett Gilkey. Great dude. He played, uh, played three seasons in the NFL for the Cleveland Browns. Sorry, brother. (laughs) That's like purgatory. That's where good football players go to die. But then, um. By, by the grace of God, he got traded to Tampa, <laughs> right? but um, was injured and, and ended his career. But talk about a solid guy. And we've, we've had so many conversations. Um, he's doing some really great things down in Tampa, some homeless ministry stuff that he's working on and uh, just enjoying his life down there with a construction business he's working with. And, uh, but I've had so many conversations with him about when he was playing. Um, he was in Cleveland when they drafted uh, what's his name? Johnny Football or whatever. Manzel. Um, that dude. Yeah. And uh, just talking about the culture in the locker room as a Christian, how hard it was to live day to day in that. He said uh, that he had, uh, he knew players who were gay in the NFL and they had conversations. And he, Garrett said, I, dude, I think it's harder to be a Christian in the NFL than a gay man in the NFL. <laughs> he said the culture is so 
ugly and so heavy. I was like, hey. wow. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting. But Garrett's one of the good guys, and there's a there are there are definitely some good folks in the NFL. And yeah, when um, I posted that I was going out to the Super Bowl next weekend to do work, a lot of my my buddies from California were like, "Oh, dude, you're so lucky you're going to the Super Bowl, man." I'm like, "I'm not going to the game, game dude. right?" That you know, I had other people go. Oh, I kind of quit watching the NFL with the whole protest thing. I'm like, well, that's cute because I quit watching it when they couldn't stop beating their wives. But um, I I could care less about the Super Bowl game. Um, excited to go up there and do work and uh, hopefully be a part of something really big. But enough of the ugly for today. Let's. Uh, I wanted to tell you about a situation that that uh, I I thought was very interesting and really opened my eyes to some things, I guess. Um, Inc. 180 is a ministry. I also do tattoo business, regular tattoo business to help pay the bills. And I love doing that. Um, As a part of that, I have things I will do and things I won't do. It's all on my website. I don't do any tattoos that are demonic, uh, derogatory against women, like pinups and stuff like that. Racial, drug-related, gang-related, vulgar. Um, I don't do any of that stuff at all. And then if your swimsuit covers it, I don't tattoo it. Those are my rules as a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, I follow that to the letter every single day. And it's put me in some, some, uh, some situations that were interesting. Um, get, allowed me to have some teachable moments with some young folks. <laughs> but um, as a Christian tattoo artist, and I've talked about this before, um, I don't preach at people. And I had a, a really cool situation where a a man named Jeff came into my shop about two weeks ago. I had the doors locked. It was later at night. I was cleaning. I was mopping the back room and I hear this knock on the door and I walk up to the front and there's this big dude, like bodybuilder big Mm -hmm. at the door. And I walk walk up to the front and reluctantly unlock the door and open (laughs) it. And I was like, yeah, can I help you? And he goes, yeah, is there any way I could talk to you about a tattoo? I want to get done. I was like, yeah, come on in. And uh, he sits down at the desk here, and we're talking, and he's explaining what he wants. He's got, like, a workout shirt on, like, sleeveless shirt, and he's got some tattoos on his upper arms and, like, Hebrew writing, which I do a lot of that stuff. Um, but it's just some cool black and gray work that he had. And he's explaining to me what he wants to get done, and he's like, yeah, I heard about your shop, and that's really cool, and uh, it's cool what you do, and this and that. We're having a good conversation. He goes, then he stops, and he's like, I have to ask you something, though. Uh-huh. I'm like, all right. He goes, I'm Jewish. Is that okay? I'm like, uh, yeah. Why wouldn't that be okay? Mm-hmm. Well, you're a Christian. I'm like, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So, um, and I, but he was like totally serious. Right. Like he, he was really concerned that I wouldn't tattoo him because he's Jewish. Now it's unusual for somebody that's, that's, a practicing Jew to get a tattoo because that's a big no-no for them. You can't be buried in the Jewish cemetery if you have tattoos other than Holocaust-related tattoos. Right. And uh, so we talked about that for a second, but I was like, why would I have a problem with that? And he goes, well, I'm Jewish. And you're Christian. I'm like, and I respect your religious choices. <laughs> right. Like, dude, we live in a country that was built on religious freedom. Like, right. why would I ever have a problem that you're Jewish or Muslim or Hindu, whatever. Like, right. I don't have a problem with that. He's like, oh, good. <laughs> he was, but he was totally serious. He's right. about my age, you uh-huh. know. And uh, so we finish our conversation, and um, 
set up an appointment for the following week. Anyway, he comes in to get the tattoo. And, you know, sometimes you meet somebody and you're having a conversation for the first time. You're like, dude, I feel like I've known this guy forever. Mm-hmm. That's how it was when Jeff came in. And we sat down. We we're doing this, these tattoos. He got a couple tattoos that night and had the coolest conversation about our faiths, uh, each of us talking about the kind of things that we do and what we're passionate about and Mm -hmm. our things that we don't like about our faith and things that we're trying to improve on personally and all this stuff. And I'm like, he's a teacher and he's a teacher in Aurora. He does all kinds of stuff with kids to get them to think out of the box. And he's a works with the youth group at his synagogue and all these super cool things. And I'm like, dude, it's like we're separated at birth (laughs) because we have like the same kind of passion, different things, but right just to do work in the community. Mm -hmm. And um, he was here for about three hours that night and we finished and we're still talking. And he invited me to come speak at his synagogue to his kids and talk about what we do. And I want to get involved with what he's doing at his school over in Aurora. Just a cool dude. But I was really struck by the whole, will you tattoo me? Because I'm Jewish thing. I'm like, dude, I've got, I've done gang tattoos for, you know, former gang members who are Muslims in a mosque. Like, uh-huh. I, I'm totally cool with whatever faith you are, but right. I, I've had people say that. Like, recently I've heard that people have said, well, yeah, I was kind of going back and forth about having you do my tattoo because I just didn't want to get preached at. I'm like, oh, man, that sucks to hear because that's not what I do <laughs> ever, you know? Right. Um, the only time I'll talk about faith with a tattoo client is if they bring it up and they ask it, which they do regularly because they know what I'm about. Right. But man, I'm never going to have somebody come in to get a tattoo and be like, oh, you know, you really need to rethink your life and give your life to Jesus because otherwise mm-hmm. you're going to go to hell. I don't do that. Right. And nope. anybody who's ever come into contact with me <laughs> knows that. That's just not how I roll. I mean, heck, that's why it took me 38 years to become a Christian because. I saw enough of that growing up and I didn't want to mm-hmm. be any part of that Christianity. And, uh, but no, we had a great conversation, just so much in common and, and it was so positive and which was great. Cause I was getting really bogged down in the, all the negativity with this whole Larry Nasser thing and just so, social media in general. Um, it's been tough. I spoke on Moody Radio a couple of weeks ago, and I got some really great messages from that, and I got some really evil messages from that. So yeah, I was just kind of bogged down in the the day to day ugliness of the world. And it, it was so cool that he came in at like the perfect time. And I told Lisa when I got home, I was like, man, I just had the coolest conversation for three hours and uh, listening to to Jeff kind of share his life and his story and what's going on. It was solid. It was solid. And I'm looking forward to doing a lot of work with him. And, but uh, if you're out there and you're listening and, you're, and you've considered coming to me to, to get a tattoo and you're worried that I'm going to bog you down with a sermon, don't worry about it because that's not how I roll. Right. I mean, like you said, it's America. So right? it is what it is. You know, the, the biggest truth of the matter is that I find religions fascinating, different religions. Like, I'd love to sit and have lunch with you and, and have you tell me what it's like to... Uh, be Hindu or Muslim or Jewish, whatever. Um, I think, you know, we can get past a lot of things. You know, I, I have no issues with any different religion, like, except, you know, Muslim extremists, but there's Christian extremists too that I don't care for. But 
Um, you know, I, I think it's really productive and really powerful uh, to have those kind of conversations with people of different faith backgrounds to come together and do more work together in the community as opposed to what we can only do on our own. So, um, you know, I've had some friends like um, Pastor Bruce Froge down in, in Houston. He does that a lot. They've partnered with a Muslim uh, mosque out there that they do regular events together with their church and this mosque to bring the community together as opposed to, you know, not understanding each other. So, right. It was cool. We had That's a good awesome. time. So and we're already planning this next tattoo for the next week here. So it was cool. Reach out. Don't just, uh, don't just stay inside your church. Go out and just meet people. Even if they're different than you, it's, it's a pretty awesome thing. And, uh, I, I truly feel like God put him here that night to, to uh, have that conversation with me. And it was a, a lot of fun. I was really enjoyed it. Uh, all right, we, man, we have a lot of announcements. We have a lot of stuff coming up and we'll, um, as time goes, we will post these as, as appropriate on our Facebook page, but obviously talked about the Super Bowl already Saturday morning. I'm heading out at like three in the morning to make the six hour drive to Minnesota Jeez, so I can get to the justice awakening conference to hear Kirsty speak. I'm excited about that. Um, the next week, I'll be making the trek out to Columbus, Ohio, to cover up a trafficking branding tattoo for uh, a survivor that's connected to the A21 program. Uh, it's Christine Kane's organization. We love them. And uh, looking forward to driving over to Columbus and helping her get rid of that tattoo and covering it up. Uh, February 22nd, super pumped to be back out to Vegas, Central Church. I'm going to be speaking out there, talking about dangerous ministry. It's a new class that I'm putting together. Um, my friend Sean Williams is one of the pastors out there, and he was the one that kind of put that in my ear and asked me if I would do it. And I got really excited about it, and I've been working on it for a little while here. Excited to get out to Vegas and do that. Um, Aurora University, February 27th at 6 p.m. Um, details on what room to follow, but um, they have a great anti-trafficking organization at Aurora University. Um, they just they have a solid grip on this problem, and the whole school does. I've spoken over there regularly. Different teachers have me in to speak in their classes, but uh, very excited for that. Um, I'll be heading out to New York City, uh, most specifically out to the Bronx at Fordham University, a date to be determined. I'm excited to get out to New York, even though I'm a Red Sox fan. I'll be wearing all my Red Sox gear <laughs> in New York City, believe that. But um, excited to go out there and, and speak about human trafficking and the work that we do to, to fight it. Um, oh, March 2nd. I told you I had a lot of announcements. <laughs> March 2nd. Excited to be partnering with our, our good friends. Uh, Scott and Tammy Gilbert run an organization called Three Squared Self-Defense. They teach Israeli self-defense, um, Krav Maga. And they're awesome. They, uh, they've done a lot of free classes for different organizations and uh, teach kids and adults how to be safe. And we're partnering up to that with them to do an event at our church at Big Life Community Church, 197 East Washington Street in Oswego, March 2nd at uh, 6.30 p.m. They're going to teach a free self-defense seminar, and I'm going to teach social media safety with Mackenzie. So come on out. We would love to, to have you out for that. And of course, we'll be talking about it as it leads up to it more and more. Uh, Sunday, March 4th, I'll be out in Rockford, Illinois, City First Church, doing some gang tattoo cover-ups at the church. 
for some folks that are changing their lives and great things going on out there at City First Church. So again, we'll be posting more info as it, as it gets closer. And here's one that's way off in the horizon, but I'm excited about it. My friend Cheryl Seeky out at Willow Creek Church um, called and asked me if I would, with her, if I would teach a social media and parenting class related to social media safety. Um, that won't be until May, but man, we're excited about that. So I love Willow Creek. Everything they do there is amazing. But uh, I can take a That's breath a lot, now. man. Holy cow. Dude, I'm busy, man. I'm busy. That's you what see, I we're on a mission from God. Amen. That's what it's all about. <laughs> nice. So. Been sitting on that for <laughs> eight months. <laughs> this is my favorite movie of all time, man. Do you see the light? <laughs> so good. But guys, I, I just uh, I want to thank you all for the continued support of the, the podcast and the ministry. We started you with Matthew West. We're taking you all with Eminem. That's my theme song going to Minnesota. So God bless you guys. Have a great week.